Well, this morning, welcome to everyone, and we have officially launched our online campus. So before, it was more of a, um, hey, if you can't make it to church, we do stream live, and you know, we called it an online church, but it really wasn't. We weren't building it. We weren't putting focus to it. But a couple of weeks ago, I, I actually just felt this real strong impression from the Lord that we were to make that a presence. So we've created a separate Facebook page. Michael kind of alluded to it, and it is Belong Church Online Campus. So you can search it. I believe it's Belong Online for the hashtag, so facebook.com um, slash belong online, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it's online church. We'll get that all together for you. We'll have that up next week. Or you can find it very easily. We've been blasting it out there to everybody since last night. So that's going to be very cool. And, and really, as I was in Florida, I, I had the opportunity to meet with a bunch of people and a lot of our friends. And we just found that there's a whole lot of people that aren't connected to a church. And maybe they felt like that for whatever reason, you know, they weren't making that connection. And, you know, I was explaining this to my daughter Jennifer yesterday. I said, you know, we we're going through Subway and they got all of that stuff laid out there. And they got those banana peppers, which I hate. They got mustard, which I hate. They got all these things on there. But she likes pepperoni. I don't like pepperoni. But she can have what she wants and I can have what I want. And so a lot of times churches can be that same way. That there may be something that we're a flavor that someone else isn't a flavor. You can have a church right next door to you and that's not your flavor. So we're just making this available to anyone if they would like to, um, to be, avail themselves of it and not just trying to say, okay, well, if you've got a church there, that's where you need to go. Whatever it is that you feel led by God, that's where you should be. So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the end of our 21 days of prayer, and I told you it's day 22, and I told you the number of days that I've been alive, and then it's so funny because I saw Michael and everybody in the back um, Googling to see how many days they'd been alive based off of their day, and I I hope, I imagine you probably did too, but one of the things we looked at was the prayer of Jabez, and we're going to circle back just a little bit because it's going to tie in this morning very well, and in 1 Chronicles 4.10, he said, Jabez is praying to Jesus, to God, and he says, Bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be upon me and keep me from harm. And God granted his request. He asked that his hand would be upon him. And this morning we're going to be focusing on the hand of God. And we, we said that the, the number three point from that week was to pray for God's presence to be in our life. And then Acts eleven twenty one it says, And the Lord's hand was on them talking about the, the new church when it just had, it just plant, not planted, but it just had spontaneously combusted into it from, you know, right after the day of Pentecost, the Lord's hand was upon them and a large number of people, a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. We also saw that God, that Moses asked God whenever he had this great moment where he's, he's going through this struggle and he's asking God, please go with us. In Exodus 33, verse 15, Moses said to God, if your presence doesn't go up with us, do not send us up from here. And in verse 18, he says, God, I pray, show me your glory. And we sang that song, and I love that song, but I, I want us to kind of just go, get, put yourself into the Bible just a moment, in, into that whole context of Moses is up there talking one-on-one to God, and he's saying, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to take one step from here if you're not going to go with me, God. Show me your glory, 
And God says, okay, tomorrow morning, I love, I love how God just doesn't go, okay, well, here we go. We're going to do it right now. He says, tomorrow morning, be here early, and there's a cleft of the rock over here, and there's this little hole in, in this rock over here, and I'm going to put you in it, and I'm going to put my hand over cover you. And so Moses got up there early, and, and, and again, God is all about order and detail. And, uh, you know, what if Moses had been late to that? I mean, he would have missed it, I believe. I don't believe God's up there like, okay, well, I'll give you five more minutes, and you're not here. No, he was there early, and he prepared himself. And we got to prepare ourselves when we come to, to, to the presence of God. And, and he, coming to church, and I mean, we all do this whether we think about it consciously or not. But we're preparing, okay, I'm on my way to church. I wonder what's going to be like. I'm gonna, and you just start this preparation. Moses got there. The most amazing thing, and and I actually, my very first message ever preaching in my life was on this story. And it was in the 90s. I I would have to try and figure out what year it was, like 94, 95, 96, something like that. But as I was preparing for it, I got this overwhelming, crazy sense of how would it be if I was Moses? And there's this this hole, this little cave opening in the rock. And and God says, stand in there. And you just kind of back in there. And then all of a sudden, it just... And God's hand is covering there. See, I've got that personality that I'd be like touching his hand. You know, like, what is this? This is pretty cool. I mean, the hand of God is physically covering him. And you know the story that God made all of his glory pass before him. And he said, if if I reveal this off, if I take my hand off, there's so much of my glory. It would physically kill you. You as a human cannot handle that. But when he passed all of it by and he gave him the most he could do without dying, he removed his hand. And my question at that time was, if that was you in that spot and the hand of God removed off, I mean, against the, the hand of God is right there, right, right in front of you. That's just the coolest thing in the world. But when it moves off, and all this glory just hits you so much that <gasps> any more would have killed you. What do you do? Do you drop to your knees? Do you go flat on your face? Do you cry? Do you jump? Do you, what do you do? And, and, and it really, really just struck me that that's how our life is supposed to be when we encounter God at church. It wasn't very long after that that the song, I Can Only Imagine came out. And and that song is very special to me because that message was so special to me like a year before. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when I come face to face with God. You see, Moses said, show me your glory. And God says, here's my hand. It's covering over you. He came under the mighty hand of God. Coming under the hand of God is bringing his presence into your life. See, when God put his hand over Moses and he revealed just a little bit, he let that presence come into him. The hand of God represents the plan of God for your life. And we also talked about that God has available to you a life that's bigger than you. Think about that for a second. God has available to you a life that is bigger than you. We're going to expand upon that in just a moment. If you'll turn your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and starting with verse 6. Peter's writing to us. He says, So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. And I highlighted humble yourselves because we're going to look into that. We're going to dive into that. But look at under the mighty hand 
power of God. And another translation we'll look at says hand, that God's hand is covering you, and that's what you're under. But you can humble yourself. You put yourself in that posture. Verse 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Verse 6, that word humble literally means to bring low. And it's been well said that if you're low, worshiping God, you can't fall very far. Think about that. Bring yourself low. In other words, worship, your, worship God. Bring yourself to this place that you don't think higher of yourself. Bring yourself low. And God is the one who will lift you up because he cares about you. But, but can I remind us, this is Peter, who is one of the 12 disciples, but one of the three that Jesus liked to hang extra with him. He's the one we looked at a few weeks ago again in Matthew 14 that was in the boat and Jesus is walking on the water and he says, oh, we're all scared because there's this dude walking on the water and there's storms going on. It's really, really bad. And oh my gosh, it's a ghost. And they're like, no, it's Jesus. And Peter has got this personality. He goes, hey, if that's really you, Lord, tell me to come to you. Jesus said, come. Now, I'm so tempted to re-preach that because it's so awesome that in the midst of our storms, Jesus is walking right there beside us. But I'm not. You can go back and listen to that on the podcast or go back and watch the video. We have all those resources there for you. But this is Peter, the same one who just wrote, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He's writing to us. But think about his experience in Matthew 14. He's out there, and let's just look at verse 29. Jesus said, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. So here Peter is, got the only other person other than Jesus who's actually walking on the water toward Jesus. Now I want us to look. He's walking toward Jesus. He's not just like, hey, I'm just going to walk out here parallel to you, God. I'm not going to just get outside the boat and go, hey, look at me, guys. Y'all are all in there. I'm out here standing on the water. He's, but he's walking towards Jesus. Verse 30, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, so when the storms of the life that were already going on, when he got out there in that place where it was not sure, and sometimes when we're out there in our feet, we feel like, man, it seems like it's not sure underneath us. I don't know. Am I supposed to move here? Am I supposed to go there? Am I supposed to do this or that? Sometimes it's unsure. And the strong wind and the waves can come up against this. He, like us, was terrified and began to sink. And he cried out, save me, Lord. Verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out. Now I want you to see that he immediately reached out. So it wasn't like Jesus had to take 20 more steps to get closer to him. Jesus just immediately reached out and he grabbed him. He continues on to talk about, but the thing I want you to see is he immediately reached out because he was right there. See, Peter had walked with Jesus. He had touched the hand of God. He was one of his favorites. In fact, he was probably the favorite of even the three. We see there's such a close relationship as you read through your one-year Bible and read that, that part of where, you know, they're all hanging out together. He had touched the hand of God. He had been in that struggle where he is about to go under, cries out to Jesus, and Jesus stretches out. What does he stretch out? His hand and grabs Peter. You see, Peter was almost to Jesus. He had already navigated from the boat all the way over, and he was almost to Jesus when it really started getting to him, like, oh my gosh, I'm out here on the water. 
What am I going to do? And he let the things that are going on around The things were going around him the whole time. But can I suggest to you, sometimes it's right when you're on the verge of a breakthrough. Right when you're about to see the fulfillment of what you've been praying for, that's when you begin to sink. Or oftentimes it's right before the breakthrough that it's the darkest hour. You've heard the saying, it's the darkest before dawn. Sometimes that struggles that come against us is when we're almost there. We've been pressing through for so long, and I, I just keep calling out to you, God. And, and it's right there that it seems like I'm not going to make it. Sometimes it's even the voices telling you, you're stupid for even believing that this was for you. This isn't for you. You can't have that. That's for all those other people. That's when we got to cry out to God even more. But I want us to see in verse 31 again that it was immediately that Jesus stretched out his hand. He tells us, Peter now, from that place of encouragement. Imagine being Peter. Imagine being in that spot where he's out there and it's exciting and then it's like, oh my gosh, it's terrifying. And then he cries out and Jesus grabs his hand and imagine the surge of confidence that came into him. That's the point he's writing to us in 1 Peter. See, you have the upper hand, the hand that stretches down from heaven that says, hey, I've got you. See, Peter isn't speaking academically, and yes, I'm getting excited, and I'm talking louder because this is so amazing to me. He's not speaking academically. He's not just speaking from head knowledge. He's been saved by that outstretched hand. He's been walking through that place where he thought he was going to die, and Jesus stretched out his hand so he can say, Give all your worries and cares over. Peter, though, remember I pointed out to you, was walking towards Jesus. What would have happened if Peter says, hey, Jesus, you're walking beside us. If that's you, tell me to come. And he got out on the other side and he starts going away from Jesus. And then those things started coming upon him. Would Jesus have been as close as he could just immediately stretch out his hand? Or is Jesus going to have to work pretty hard to get over there? And can you see Jesus running on the water? Anyways. But he was walking towards Jesus. But I want you to see this scenario is in Peter's mind as he's telling this story now as an encouragement. Just the same way when you have an experience of something you've gone through and now you're talking to someone else, you say, listen, let me encourage you. Let me tell you how it, it, you don't, it doesn't have to be this way. Why? Not because you're so smart, because you have experience. You've walked in that place. So my question to you this morning is, are you walking towards Jesus? Are you drawing close to him? Peter had gotten so close to Jesus that Jesus only had to immediately reach out his hand. Draw close to God. Stay close to him. And we do that through worship. We don't just have 20 minutes at the beginning of our service just to let everybody have time to get here on time. It isn't just so that we can like make it broken up so it's not just me talking for the whole time. It's a time for us to bring ourselves low. It's a time for us to say, God, I'm just going to cancel out all the wind and the waves of the week. And I want to be close to you. God, I want to walk closer to you. And this morning, the songs, I had most of them picked out before I even had the message. And as I'm just, get, it's all coming together, I'm like, God, you're just so amazing. But we sing about the more I seek you, 
the more I find you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. From that place of being low and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. Stretch out your mighty hand. Can I tell you, the hand of God is mighty. The hand of God is strong. The hand of God is over your life. He has great plans for you. He has his outstretched hand waiting for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He has great things in store for you if you walk towards him. But doing some sanctified reasoning, he has plans to prosper us. But what if we don't get into God's plans? What if we thumb our nose to God's plans. Sadly, I, I sent a bunch of texts out starting the, the online church campus this morning, and a lot of people too far to come that aren't able to come, and I said, hey, I'd love you to join us this morning, and sadly, right as worship started, I got a reply from one of them that says, I won't be because I really don't like church. So right as I'm about to start singing, I get this text and I've got my phone up there so I can talk to the tech people back and forth if they need something from me or if I need something from them. And, and this is what's up there. And it's through the whole thing. And my heart's just breaking for this person who says, I really don't like God. I really don't like church. And I pray that changes. But the plans to prosper involve me walking towards Jesus. And when I have those struggles, when I have those times that it just seems those waves and those cares and those strong winds that are trying to blow, I cry out to him. He's there. First Peter 5 in the NASB translation says, Now therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Bring yourself low and allow yourself to be under that hand of God. Allow his hand to be involved in your life, that he may exalt you at the proper time. See, God's plan has a proper time. Verse 7 continues on, that's casting all your anxiety onto him, because he cares for you. Anxiety. Very interesting word. As I talk to people in my week and all the different places that I'm at, you know what I hear number one thing that people are struggling with? Anxiety. I I have to take these pills because if I don't, I can't cope with life. And and sometimes life is just so overwhelming to me, I can't even go to work, I can't sleep, I can't do this because these these winds and these waves and all this stuff is just like, ah, I can't do it. But can I take you back to verse 6? Humble, bring yourself low under the hand of God. Get in the plan of God. And he's going to lift you up at the proper time. But look at this. There's a comma. These aren't two different scriptures. These aren't two different thoughts. This is one complete thought. And if I'd have thought, I'd have had them later all in here so we can just go into it right away. But kind of go with it with me if you can. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you at the proper time, comma, casting all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. Can I suggest to you, verse 7, casting your anxiety 
is dependent upon verse 6. Humbling yourself. Getting under the hand of God. Allowing God to have influence in your life. So the cure for anxiety, you need to bring yourself low. You have to humble yourself. You have to worship God. You have to say, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Because sometimes when we got stress going on in our life, we're living not only day to day, but sometimes it's hour to hour. Sometimes when it's really bad, it's minute to minute. And when you've got stuff that feels like it's going to take you out, it's second to second. You have to bring yourself low. But what is it that would keep us from bringing ourselves low? From humbling ourselves before God that we can get into the plan and see God. Thank guys. Thank you guys. You did amazing. That would take us into this whole thing that just all flows in there. That I could cast my anxiety. That, that I've got the cure for anxiety. What is it that keeps us there is humbling ourselves. So it means my pride, my ego, me thinking I can do life my way. I don't need you, God. And I don't need anybody telling me what to do. Is the very thing that can bring anxiety. Can leave the door open for anxiety because when you're doing it all on your own, you only have yourself. None of us are that good. There's no self-made man or any self-made woman. We all need help. We're all better together. So when he, God, instructs us to humble ourselves, it isn't to put us down. It isn't because he wants to see us face down. It's that our focus is staying on the one who can lift me up. If I'm trying to crawl over everybody else to lift myself up, then it's going to be pretty bad because all that's going to be is negativity. All that's going to be is trying to stab somebody else in the back so I can get their spot. But when I bow down and I humble myself, I get low before God, and he lifts me up, As I stay down there, I say, God, I focus on you as the one who's able to lift me up. I don't have anxieties. I don't have those worries. I don't have to worry about those strong winds that are coming because I can call out to him and he's right there to lift me up immediately. Proverbs 14 says, verse 12, there's a way which seems right to a man, but his way, the end of his way is death. That word death literally means a die or a plague. And the thought is the plague that's like it comes upon you. And it's like there's no hope in sight. There's nothing that you can do about it. It literally means to cause to put or surely be caused to death. or You're surely going to die. And, and as I was reading all that, doesn't that sound like what most people describe anxiety as? This thing is so uh, 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 overwhelming to me that I, I, I'm sure I'm going to die. I don't think there's any way out of this, and it just overwhelms me, and just go into this loop and this loop and loop, and I can't get out of this. And I, uh, that sounds like a plague. There's a way which seems right, but its end is death. And it doesn't all just mean the grave. But can I suggest to you that's why we need church? We need people. It's not the building. It's not the, the walking through the doors and getting the little worship guide and setting down here our little connection cards. It's not all that stuff. It's the people. We're better because we're together. We have each other to say, hey, man, can you pray with me? Because the, the storm's pretty bad. The winds are blowing in my life, and I need something. We need the worship time. We need to come and bow down. Man, I'm looking forward to the day when there's more people that come down here and just go to the altar. Not, 
They're not coming for me. They're not coming down to bow down. They're just coming to this place that's closer to the presence of God. Put yourself in that place and say, God, I need you. Not simply going to sit in a chair and say, but God, I, I'm crying out because I need you. We need the Sunday, Saturday morning prayer from 8 to 9. We need the 21 days when we do it twice a year because we need to bring ourselves low to say, God, I'm centering my focus on you to again give us the opportunity to worship the one whose hand has provided. See, there's no formulas in God's kingdom, but there are steps. Now, from that same standpoint, another disciple, James, is writing, and listen how closely it parallels over. James chapter 4, verse 6. He's talking about grace, the grace that we need to be able to go. It's God's unmerited favor that I don't deserve it, but he still gives it. Verse 6, he says, And he, God, gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud. Those people say, I can do it on my own. I don't need you, God. But he gives grace to the who? The humble. Those who will bow themselves. So because God does that, verse 7, he says, So humble yourselves before God. Then you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if I'm again using sanctified reasoning, if I just cut this part out and say, I just want to resist the devil, is he going to flee from me? I want to suggest to you that these are all steps. Humble yourself. Worship God. Verse 8 says, come close to God. Man, I got this image that, man, that James was also in that boat and he saw Peter get out there. He saw Peter getting closer to Jesus and Jesus saving him. Peter didn't die in the waves that day. He saw this. He says, man, come close to God. God will come close to you. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And the NASB, it says it in a different way. It says, draw near to God. He's going to draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. And that word hearts literally means your mind. And then look what it says right after that. You double-minded. Purify your mind. Purify where your focus is. Otherwise, you've got two minds going on. Only one's going to win. Is it the mind that says, God, I'm trusting in you? Or is it the mind of, I can do it on my own? We have to purify our mind. It continues on verse 10. So humble yourself before the Lord. And he will lift you up in honor most amazing thing they're both saying the same things written at different times but they're both saying the same things bring yourself low as I close Pastor Mike wrote something yesterday on Facebook I wanted to share with you he says I had a vision tonight of the hand of God reaching down from heaven to earth and I asked the Lord what this vision meant he said I'm reaching down to my precious children who had been suffering under the cruelty of despair I'm lifting them up and out of the grip of the enemy's lies of hopelessness and discouragement. I'm redeeming what belongs to me. I'm restoring the lost dreams and destinies of my children. I'm healing the hearts and visions of my people. And I'm raising them up to new heights to see further than they've ever seen before. Tell my people that I know where they are and what they're going through. Tell them I am with them. Doesn't that sound like Peter in the midst of that storm? 
Tell them to look for and expect my goodness to find and follow them. Tell them that I've always, that they've always been so loved. Please bow your heads in with no one looking around. Where do you find yourself today? Are you close to Jesus? Are you even walking his way in his direction? How much of your life journey is characterized by doing your own thing? Man, that's an ouchie. How much of your life journey is characterized by doing your own thing? Is anxiety dominating your life or trying to overtake you? The first step is to be on that journey with God, to be walking towards Him. So I'm going to ask you this morning, have you invited Jesus into your life to surrender your life to Him? I invite you to simply follow me in this prayer today. If that's you, this is a private moment. We believe that this isn't, we're not going to invite you to come up front. We're not going to take you to another room. This is between you and God. There's a public declaration. We believe that's baptism. Well, if that's you this morning, if you don't even, you don't have to understand all the Bible. You don't have to have everything worked out. You simply start on the process. You can simply say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for paying for my sins so I don't have to. Today is my day. I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me. And I come just as I am. I surrender it all to you. And I choose to follow you. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all of my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the very first time or maybe they prayed it a million times and they prayed it again today. Lord, I know that your hand is outstretched to them and you immediately, just like with Peter, you immediately reach out and accept them back in. God, I thank you for every one of us who have said that prayer before and and maybe even those that are still checking it out and not even sure. God, I pray that we will all learn to surrender our will to you. The Lord, that we'll continue walking towards you. Even on that path, we've got to still keep our focus on you. Lord, that we bring ourselves low so we keep our focus on the one who's able to lift us up. God, I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice that is struggling with anxiety will take these steps of obedience with you. And Lord, they'll be delivered from and they'll see the stronghold of anxiety broken off of their lives. And I pray this all in Jesus' name.